He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, Because the light was on. Hey everyone, welcome back to the MBS podcast. My name is Ian Savage, the philosopher in the room, otherwise known as the person, the person who makes everybody miserable. And Josh, um, are do you consider yourself a transphobe? So, okay, so here, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm no, I'm, I'm just gonna. First of all, <laughs> for any of you that are new, I'm Josh Simpson. I'm the thespian in this conversation, aka Boom Boom Pow Pow. And let's just say that to let you guys in on some secrets, I've been having my computer's been kind of glitching. So we've, we've now attempted to start this episode a few times. Uh, yeah, and let's it's just say that, like, I, I wish my computer was working on the first time because as as we keep doing it, <laughs> Ian just gets more Ian. Um, <laughs> um, my intro, but no, um, I do not. But on a more positive note, what you really meant to ask is how I'm doing. And I will say that I'm actually doing pretty good because I am at my second week of going to the gym. Right. And surprisingly, it's funny how your body kind of remembers these sort of things because in the two weeks now that I've been to the gyms, I've already lost 13 pounds, which is pretty exciting. That is exciting, and that's all that weight was lost in your hands? <laughs> uh, probably my head, uh, <laughs> given the lack of hair. Um, you definitely sweat much more. It's kind of annoying now because it's just like you just have a cascade of sweat coming into my eyeballs to burn them because there's no hair that's stopping. Oh, yeah, you need like a, a sweatband. Sweat yeah, band. I just don't. I don't know. I just don't know if I can rock that look. I don't know if I can just do the straight sweatband. I mean, you know, yeah, you could just suffer with the uh, with the sweat dripping down into your eyes, you know, pretend it's something else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But no. All right. Listeners, here, here's here's the brass tacks of this. We we were trying to figure out exactly what to do an episode on because, you know, we, we had some ideas about things or a little bit less. We have like possibly we're going to have a fantasy series coming out soon. We thought about doing that, but there has been so much attention on on Dave Chappelle's new special mm-hmm. and we thought that you know as as people who are trying to understand things and have conversations and and really want to talk about it I I you know, I I talked to Ian like and he kind of saw what's going on and we both had kind of decided that this is what we were going to talk about and so we know that you know knowing Ian like I know Ian I know that it's going to be a very awkward episode for me so it's probably going to be an <laughs> awkward episode for all of you all um but, you know, to be fair here, we do, <laughs> it's interesting too, because we crack jokes too. And, you know, we often preface that like, you know, with, with certain serious topics, like we understand the gravity of, of what's happening here, but we, you know, just as our nature between Ian and I, we, we sometimes can't help ourselves. And I think that's an interesting point to make because it almost kind of, 
I don't know, it, it kind of reflects onto the core issue that this special has had or, you know, comedy in general has been going through. And so there's just going to be some interesting topics that we're going to be talking about today, basically just kind of like comedy and helping and hindering and kind of what's going on with the special and some of the things that Dave Chappelle has said. So, I mean, I don't know, Ian, do you, you know, you were the one that were kind of more, I would say like, you know, you were, I get when I mentioned that you were very much like, let's do an episode on it. So I'm actually kind of curious as to like what your kind of thoughts were when I initially brought it up to you kind of off mic when we were deciding on what episodes we wanted to do. Right. Well, you know, I guess just for some background, you know, we both are having a bit of a change in schedule um, coming up. Josh is um, uh, back in school now. Um, so he's got a lot on his plate. Even today, he sounds like he was um, uh, quite the busy fellow. Uh, whereas um, I am starting a new job. It feels like I've, this is like my third job uh, in almost a year, but um, it's finally something that's panning out a little bit better for me. So with that in mind, we were looking for some content that would be a little bit more easy to digest um, than some of the other topics that we've brought up um, lately and, and maybe slightly easier to research, not to say that we stray away from hard things, you know, but our last abortion episode, um, you know, there was a lot to read, a lot to understand, a lot that was going on there with a lot of other episodes. We, we do stuff like that, but every once in a while we want to um, try and do something that's a little bit more, um, you know, that comes a little bit more natural for us and, you know, discussing, you know, these sort of topics, um, not that they're easy to talk about. It's just I I feel like Josh and I. It's really easy to just to get into a flow of speaking, and so um, we kind of stole a um, uh, the beat a little bit from the Very Bad Wizards podcast and wanted to talk about two for two different things. Um, so as Josh was alluding to, you know, we're talking about this Dave Chappelle special, and then in the later half of the episode, we're going to be talking about a short story from uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. But Josh, to actually answer your question here. You know, when you brought it up, first of all, I mean, I've, I've been sort of familiar with the, you know, the whole controversy, you know, I was, I was following um, the special. I knew that it was coming out that I'd want to watch it at least. And then I knew there would be some controversy surrounding it because as with Dave Chappelle's last specials, in fact, we even talked about it on our uh, podcast before in the state of comedy episode. I'm not sure what number um, that one was, but you know, so there's right. obviously some prior conversations going on, but uh, yeah, so it had been something that I wasn't necessarily going to approach you about talking about, um, you know, but when you brought it up, when we were talking on the phone, uh, the other day, it was just like, okay, okay. He seems to have an interest. Like we've got to talk about it then because it is sort of blowing up. Um, you know, it seems like everybody has a take on it. Um, Josh, uh, sent me a few articles from GQ magazine. Um, I've seen it plastered on all different spaces especially uh gaming websites this has been very strange for me it feels like you know everybody is making an excuse to talk about it um we have a uh, article here from kotaku i've seen articles on it from uh, ign it's very strange and so um yeah I, I don't know if you have any more preamble josh but basically you know yeah when when we were talking about it uh, off mic it's like yeah i think this is it it deems a conversation and i'm wondering you know since we've both seen the special i've only seen it once i'm assuming you've only seen it once as well um right. why all the hubbub <laughs> well I, I to be fair i think that you know when we were talking a little bit off mic you had mentioned that this special felt somewhat different it almost felt like a yeah declaration of of opinion or clearing the air about things that happened in his other specials and you know and and i think that 
watching it myself, you can you can clearly see where the hubbub was going to be, but it almost felt like sort of planned. I don't know. There, there was, I, I've seen some Dave Chappelle specials and he tries to be real. This one, he almost intentionally tried to be darker. Mm-hmm. Like his whole special was almost just curated to the sense of dark humor. And, you know, because it was at first, I didn't understand because it did seem like he was crafting these jokes. I mean, the first 10 minutes seemed like a normal Dave Chappelle special, but then I think you're right. Cause after, at, at about like the 10 minute mark, that's when he says, here's my plans for this. Like, this is going to be, you know, a declaration. And he's almost, and he almost kind of takes the Ricky Gervais approach uh, to, to when you're making comedic jokes about some things that are, that are difficult where you, you know, he kind of does the whole, like, Oh, like somebody stopped me. And, you know, I was making this joke and you know, this is what I said. So he's not like, there's a few times where he wasn't making the joke, but he was talking about a time that he did make the joke and he still said the material. So like, yeah, very meta in the sense of doing that. And I know like, because there was one stand up with Ricky Gervais where he just basically employed that tactic where he's like, I would never say these things such as, you know, <laughs> and then he proceeds to say what he, you know, said that he, what he says that he would never say in a special, like, so except that, that Ricky Gervais was actually funny when he was, uh, when he was doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. no. Okay. Well then I know I'll clarify that point. Then you well, just snuck that in. There, uh, yeah. So I mean, mean I, by that? okay, here's the thing. So I like Dave Chappelle. I had never watched a show, uh, growing up. I never watched the, the Chappelle show, you know, it was on comedy central. So I didn't have cable growing up. Um, and when we did, I mean, there were some shows we just, we just weren't allowed to watch cause they were too crude. Right. So something like Chappelle show, uh, was included in that. Um, but, you know, since he since he sort of made his comeback a little bit, you know, I've been watching his specials on Netflix specifically, and I found them very funny. I, I like I like Dave Chappelle. I like you know the type of jokes that he makes. Um, I've always you know thought that he makes people uncomfortable because it's funny. Uh, but in this latest special, I feel like he has gotten on a bit of a soapbox where he yeah. you know sort of like what you were alluding to. He has to talk about everything that he's said that happens to offend people and i don't know it's it doesn't come across as as comedy right it comes across as like okay i'm a comedian you came here to pay me speak you or you paid me to come and hear me speak um i'm going to tell you what's wrong with the world and it does if it's funny then great for you but if but if not then like this is just what i believe and these are my opinions now most and there's comedians- also several moments not to cut you off uh but there's almost several moments where the audience almost like didn't get the joke like or it was a slow realization of the joke that he had made you know and like mm-hmm. and he takes times to pause and it's it was kind of awkward too because there's this moment where he'll tell a joke um and then he'll like pause and then there's like quietness from the audience and then you kind of slowly hear slow chuckles as he kind of does his look back and forth and i found that like yeah you know in the beginning the audience was like rad but i feel like the 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 tempo with him and the audience also felt a little off as well yeah definitely the pacing went from okay he's funny we're into it but then after you sit with it for a little bit it's like eh. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this, you know? And I mean, there were some, there were sometimes too, you know, I mean, like with every, you know, live show, you know, they pan to the audience. Um, and in particular, you know, when he's, t- when it, you know, which we'll get to this point, but you know, when he's talking about trans folks and, and how, when he makes trans jokes, jokes about trans people, um, you know, they give him shit for it. Well, he's talking about something else and they pan uh, past these people. I see these two people in the audience, two supposedly women in the audience and they're laughing along with them with the, with the rest of the audience. And then when he makes those jokes, 
they deliberately pan back over them and just just you can just watch their disdain in what he's saying it's like okay like like i don't know if that was the director's idea you know or like that was just happenstance but it's like okay it's obvious that people are getting uncomfortable and that's not just those specific you know that specific instance there's plenty of times like what you're talking about when he makes a joke and people are either like ooh you know or just not laughing or making any noise at all um and you know even says like early on i know a lot of people have quoted this is like don't worry it'll get worse and I'm just wondering, it's like, you know, sort of like I said before, like, is this is this comedy at this point? Because um, it's getting to the fact where he's he's I don't know if he's pissed or if he's or if he hates his critics, but um, it's getting to this point where it's like, OK, what what is what is your point? Like the fact that you say these things that, that people have been pissed off or people love hearing. OK, that's that's one thing. And then you have to continue to harp on it. It's sort of like the same thing you know i listen to podcasts all the time where they hate on the woke stuff or they hate on uh critical race theory or you know even conservatives you know they hate on the libtards it's just like on and on and on like do we really need to hear about this all the time like you're not adding anything new and frankly the jokes that he's made before and his previous specials about whatever be trans folks or the woke shit he doesn't he didn't add anything new in the special either so i don't know i mean he also added like you know, because my problem with it is like, look, I, I guess we have to just really discuss the kind of the natures of of jokes and what the purpose is. And, right. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, everything takes too far to the extreme. So where where I'm sympathetic is that I, I you know, on one hand, understand that there is a, a, a sort of catharsis in joking. And for those that could joke about their own situations or, you know, I mean, there was this uh, there was this TikTok that I really enjoyed and it was this. I think it was this woman who who had um I think it was cerebral palsy or something and and she basically said that like you know I try to joke about my condition and people make me feel bad for wanting to joke about what I have but it's like me that has it so mm-hmm. I created this and you know if there's anybody that wants to like you know joke with me here are some songs that I want you to splice this with and and of course it was all songs that had to do with like, you know, shaking or anything else like that, that was, you know, and then you can kind of see where the joke that she was making. And, yeah, you know, I think another example is, uh, you know, at the, at the place that I work there, there was this gentleman that had come in, you know, maybe for you know three or four times in, in a two week period. And he had said he was staying in the hotels and he was coming over to, to, you know, grab a drink, yada, yada, hoosie. And he had one arm, you know, and, at one point in time, everybody kind of looks and, and, you know, as he's having drinks, we're chatting a little bit and he just basically was like, yeah, I'm a war vet and I'm here for this and this and this. And I lost my arm in combat and yada, yada, who's And he says, everybody gets so weird and uncomfortable about it, but I just like the joke about it. And so, you know, he looked at me and he's like, has anybody told you that you look like Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder? And <laughs> if you, if you guys don't, Uh, no but like tom cruise like he wears like this big suit and he's kind of a nasty looking dude and that so i was like well that was very rude of you and he's like no man just making a joke fine if i said a joke to you then you say one back to me and i was like anything is fair game he's like anything is fair game so i got nervous because (laughs) you know here's a war vet with one arm but i i thought like look if he just made a bad joke about me and he's like and he wants the joke i'm gonna give him a joke so i looked at him and i said what branch what branch of the military were you in? Because it's clear you weren't in the army. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I know. And 
I was like scared. You know what I mean? I made that joke and I was terrified and I just sat there for a moment (laughs) and he looked at me like almost with a serious face. And I thought that I had offended him. And then he immediately just died laughing. And he was like, that was fucking great. Yeah. Um, And I was like, and I said, look, thank you. At first I was scared, but now I know you're completely armless. And I got him a second time. Um, Got him a second time. And then he like, you know, he wanted to buy me a beer and he was a really good. And he was like, thank you, man. Like nobody likes to make light of this. And so, you know, those are situations where I, I have seen comedy be cathartic. However, I am completely understanding that there are some people that it could be very hurtful to or very harmful to, and not just the joke itself, what people attach themselves to those jokes with social media and everything else. You look at this, I think the worry Ian, and I've been ranting here a little bit, but I think this is what I'll end you with. And you can respond. I think the worry is, is that, you know, you see a joke online or you see something online and then the most extreme people will, will take that and will celebrate that. and will use that as fuel to the fire. You know, if, if there are people out there, because let's be let's be face it, you know, there there are people in the trans community that are being murdered every day. And I think their worry is, is that if Dave Chappelle's making these jokes, it might seem like he's being lighthearted on it. But those people that really do feel the hate for this community can grasp onto that and use that as as validation for why why they feel what they feel. So, again, it's it's a tricky slope because I, I'm very sympathetic to kind of both sides of you know the 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 debate over the offensive nature of a joke Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well yeah i mean first of all it's uh bravo with the um with the army vet uh joking i think that's um very um laudable and he instigated though i don't think i would never just walk up to him and be like wow (laughs) you know but he hit me with a joke and then instigated so like you know you kind of uh, is the dynamic was was set yeah you're you're definitely not like me i mean there was one time i was in a bar drinking with some friends and uh there there was like a mutual acquaintance who who arrived and he just recently had got something like wrong he got his face hurt or something and he had like a big scar or scratch on his face and he's like oh yeah sorry i got my you know, face for face hurt. And I was like, Oh, where'd you get that scratch from sucking too much dick? That's the sign that I was expecting. That's the silence I was expecting. Anyway. Um, I mean, cause I mean, I, I guess you're trying to, but what, I, okay, let's, I was trying to elicit a, a response. Then. I was trying to elicit. Well, no, well, I, well, that's what, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going <laughs> to say, what is the, like in your brain, what do you feel the intent is? Because obviously, you know, in a realistic context, you know, I don't think that sucking dick is going to lead to a face scratch or there's really doesn't seem to be like a clear connection there. And so that's why I'm well, sitting here like th- it wasn't, I guess it wasn't as, cre- it's not, it's not creative. You're not being creative here. You're I being understand. Vulgar for, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So you're being vulgar yeah. for the sake of, but what reaction do you want then? Do you want like an awkward laughter? Do you want like, what is it that you hope to achieve with a joke like that? It's, it's, it's more of like what kind of person uh, you know, who, you know, cause uh, certain per- people are going to respond differently. Right. Um, you know, they're going to be like, Whoa, okay. What the hell is wrong with you? Or they're going to be like, what the fuck did you just say to me? You know? And so, uh, basically, you know, like after, after that whole thing happened, he's like, okay. And I was like, Hey man, I'm just fucking around, you know? And then we got on with the rest of the night where his friend who was with him, he was like, stared me down the whole night and wa- really wanted to kick my ass. Uh, but I thought it was funny uh, because it was like I started making more and more homophobic jokes, you know, and <laughs> let me just say this. I'm not a homophobe. Uh, please, on the record. I feel anyway, like you um, shouldn't have but, <laughs> to signal that. But well, I feel like hey, it. we live in a it's a weird it's a weird world. Anyway, so I made these jokes. No, I meant that like you might be doing something wrong 
Well, you know, when I saw that this person was obviously made like uncomfortable by gay jokes, you know, like he's like this very like, you know, camo hat on redneck guy, like, and he was very, he was made very uncomfortable with gay jokes. And I was just like, so I just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it um, until there was one time I actually had to be removed from the bar a little bit. Anyway, that's a story from another time. Um, Well, here's the, here's the thing though. Um, yeah, for, first of all, you know, we talk about jokes and, and what they're what they're meant to do, right? They're they're meant to elicit elicit a response. They're meant to make us uncomfortable in some ways and to realize that everything is it, like it's fine. Even though life is crazy, everything is okay to joke about. Um now when it comes to joking about minorities or people who are necessarily disenfranchised or or certain mar- marginalized groups, I think that a lot of people assume that some of these people who are being joked about are more fragile than they really are. Basically, you know, like, okay, with the, with the, um, uh, cerebral palsy, palsy person, um, who, uh, you mentioned on TikTok, like she's trying to make light of her situation. And yet people are, are giving her shit for, you know, for making fun of that, uh, for that disability. It was like, Hey, no, I'm the one who's affected by it. Now, granted, there might be some other people with, um, cerebral palsy that might be offended, but, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, do we, do we have to be, do we have to wrap everything in saran wrap and plastic and bubble wrap to keep everything safe and nice on a bow? I don't think so. Now, the, the a couple of the other things they were talking about, and we don't have to, to linger on that, but it's, but it actually reflects a little bit what's in these G, GQ articles is that some of these jokes lead to legitimate harm. And I just, I know maybe some psychological harm, you know, like when you're hearing these jokes that is, that is about you or about your group, you know, whatever that is, like, they're not necessarily about you. It's not a roast, right? There may be a, you know, you might share one quality with a specific group of, of people, you know, whether it be trans, whatever it be gay, whether it be black or white or Jewish, you know, you might share that one quality, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is talking about you. Right. And so with the trans jokes and how they might lead to harm, I I'm willing to accept that these people might feel offended. They might, you know, feel uncomfortable about themselves in hearing that. Um, but again, we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of the joke? And then, and secondly here, you know, you were saying about how trans people are killed every day. I, I mean, I'm willing to accept that trans people are killed, you know, ever so often, but people seem to make this point that, uh, that trans, you know, the, the murder of trans folks is some type of epidemic and we just don't have the numbers on that. You know, there was something in the GQ article that was saying that was like 38 trans people killed in America in, I can't remember uh, when it was. Oh yeah. 30, you know, uh, in 20, yeah, in 2021, so far 38 trans people and non-binary people have been killed in the U S I'm assuming. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's not a lot. I mean, listen, the death of the murder of anybody is, is not great. I, you know, but it's just like, it's not an epidemic. It's not like people, it's not like there are droves of, uh, and mobs of people going out and killing trans folks wherever they find them. So, and, and we have to ask ourselves, are these jokes directly leading to people killing trans folks? I, I just skeptical about that. So again, I'm, I'm curious where, where is the harm? Where is it coming from? Sure. I mean, the only pushback I'll say there is sometimes I forget I'm speaking to a philosopher who takes every word almost literally like th- that's just kind of an expression in the, in the sense that like there are people like, look, well, like, people seem to use yes. that expression literally. Sure. Uh, I, I just think it kind of represents this this idea of a 
a group of people that are targeted for being what they want to be as opposed to <laughs> just a mugging or a stabbing or, you know, direct crimes. And there's other, you know, and, and obviously that's the thing too. Dave Chappelle, his, his biggest thing was like, you can tell that, you know, he is, you know, he's, it's the, the African-American community is where his heart and soul is. And as most people know this, he even mentions it in the special. He walked away from 50 million because he thought that like, you know, the, the purpose or the Chappelle show was moving towards, you know, more of a, of a, of a scenario that he didn't want to be in and make a troll like that. And he just makes points all throughout the night about, you know, whether it be the, you know, like with the LGBTQ community that like, oh, you know, we, you know, our African-Americans have gone through much more this or this or this. And we're still kind of like the butt of jokes and you guys are progressing along. And that's why I'm able to make these jokes, yada, yada, hoozy. But I, I think that the real problem with his jokes is like, if he was just joking, then that would have been fine. But there was a few moments in his little bits there where he makes statements, not jokes, you know? And one of the statements he made, which I thought was wrong is he talked about like, you know, gender being like definitive, you know, gender is just a man or a woman. I can't remember exactly what he said, but you know, I, he, he specifically used the term gender, which I think is where the breakdown is, is gone where I think it could be harmful because and especially too, and it just amounts to the amount of people that you have that follow you, you know, the influence that you have. And this is something that's new to deal with. I mean, like we talked about this briefly in a past episode, but you look at like, like cutie pie, for example, or pootie pie, sorry, whatever the hell he calls himself. <laughs> you know, here's somebody who has more followings than, than like countries combined. <laughs> and you're just like, how, what do you, you know, we've never, we've never been in a world where somebody now has like 70 million or, or plus people. I don't even know what he's his following count is, but you look at Chappelle and has so much people and you're saying things about gender, because I, I agree that, you know, the confusion breakdown is that like, there is, you know, reproductive sex and how, you know, as you look at just straight biology of how people are made, there's like a reproductive difference, um, you know, between those that carry the sperm and those that carry the egg. And most of nature is, is identifying those reproductive differences. You know, but there are other aspects, which I do agree with. I do agree that, you know, because, for example, you talked about homophobia and, you know, I didn't realize like how how much that was, because, you know, as most people know, I think I've said it on the podcast before, but I've made out with three men in my life. And there are moments when I'm with some of my straight male friends and that I don't know how it comes up or. Or something happens, but I will mention something like that, and it's almost like uh, you know, they 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 look disgusted at mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, first of all, that was my choice to make, not your choice to make. Second of all, <laughs> I'm not disgusted with that, so like, you know, it's fucking. I'm saddened that you feel that way. Like, obviously, you have some bullshit pent up stuff going on, and so I can understand that these kinds of things exist. And I just think it's dangerous when you kind of define words, because I do think that there is a little fluidity in gender. And I do think there's cultural aspects of it, um, you know, because this pink and blue and those are just colors that we've assigned to something else. Like everything is made up, Ian. So <laughs> it's like and in that regard, I I can see where there can be some some that could be very problematic for what he's saying. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I just don't. I mean, I don't know where the. Yeah. So, okay. So first of all, I think, you know, cause I remember what you, what he said there, you know, he was talking about, and I don't, I think he, I can't remember who, I think he was referring to somebody or something, but I know he said gender is real. And I do think that he meant sex. 
because I, the way that he was talking about it sounded like he meant sex. But, you know, I, that's neither here nor there. He did say gender and gender is real. Um, now, I mean, I, I don't think we necessarily went into this to talk about the trans issue. Um, but I think that, gen- I mean, gender is real. Right. Like people take on gender roles. People are either, you know, assigned a gender at birth based on their biological sex and, and sex characteristics. Um, people act out certain gender roles. So, I mean, none of that says that it's that it's fake. I understand people like to throw around the social construction label uh, quite often, but that doesn't make it any less real. It just means that it is a um, it is a point in our behavior that, you know, sort of emerges um, out of our maybe sex characteristics or society. I mean, there's, there's tons of, of factors that, that drive gender uh, to emerge. So I don't know if that's not real or, or not, but um, I understand, I understand the impulse to call it, to call his uh, statement wrong, you know, because I, I do think that gender. Um, but he is, was trying to, I guess the, the, what go the ahead. problem is, is that we're not debating if it's real or unreal. We're debating on if it's fixed or fluid. And I think that's that's the thing. I think again, you're like you said, he may have meant sex, but that's not what he said. He was making mm-hmm. the claim that gender is not fluid, it's fixed. And like you said, I agree that it's real and I agree that there are many factors that play into what you identify as that, but I am of I am of the school of thought that gender is fluid. You know, it's it's not like there's no reason why a boy can play with Barbies or a woman play with, you know, soldiers. There's the term and it's, it's kind of more acceptable because growing up and I don't even know if this is a term that most people use anymore. But growing up, there was the term tomboy mm-hmm. and that was for like, you know, girls who who were growing up and typically did more what you would say that society has deemed more of like male gender qualities and they were called tomboys and and that wasn't i never thought that was uh an offensive term like most of the most of the uh of the girls growing up that i knew that were that were tomboys more of kind of like own that title they felt good that like they had that title and and maybe i'm wrong here maybe i was in a tight-knit bubble maybe that term is derogatory um but i feel like it wasn't really as accepted on the other side uh, of that coin where you have no kind of tomboy equivalent for, you know, maybe a, a boy growing up who wants to wear dresses or, or something, you know, along those lines. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not aware of any, you know, of any offensive connotation with that, with that term. I mean, I heard that growing up as well, but then again, we're millennials. Um, so we might be a little bit out of touch. At least I am, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I mean, gender, I don't necessarily think that it is, uh, fluid per se but i think that individuals express you know certain characteristics that might not fit into our ideal version of a man or a woman um and because of the world that we live in now i I think there are a lot of assumptions that go into it's like well i must be this then you know like because we have these you know categories that for some reason we need to place ourselves in instead of just looking at ourselves as just a person um, so that's, so that's kind of my biggest thing, but I, I think we're getting off track a little bit and talking about like people's response to the, um, to the special because you know, there was a, there was a big, um, throw up at, uh, Netflix, you know, who publishes, uh, uh, David Sappel's special. Um, and basically there was a, uh, there was a trans woman and, and three other employees. Now, a lot of, um, a, a lot of, uh, um, 
institutions report on this as these, you know, these people were suspended from their job and all of a sudden have been reinstated and they were upset that there's, you know, special has been put on Netflix, but they, a lot of times you either bury the lead or they just forget to mention that they stormed into a, an office of, of higher ups at Netflix and demanded for it to be, um, to be taken off the, um, taken off the service. And so uh, a lot of people were reporting on this and, it seems to me, I don't know if if you work at a. Let me just ask you this, Josh. I mean, if you work at a company and you, whatever they're doing, whatever their practices are, you know, whatever their services they're provided, if you find what they're doing deeply troubling, like yeah, okay, maybe bring it up to a, a higher up in person, you know, like have have a meeting or something like that uh, to talk to. But if they eventually don't in line up with your own principles and goals why work for this company why and it, it seemed in that now there's like this walkout being organized uh from netflix uh and netflix is seems to be committed to um uh to holding their stance holding their ground and, and keeping Chappelle's uh special on the service so i don't know there's a lot of complex issues well, controversy sells i mean it does again, yeah this might yeah this might be my uh this might be my facetious um anti-capitalist point here but it's <laughs> you know i've but you know, out, we've learned early on that like online outrage sells, and you know, there's the there's an idiom or a classic, I guess not an idiom, more of a, a more of a cliche that you know there's no such thing as bad news. You know, everything's publicity, and so it's like if you look at this, Netflix is going, you know, because he even makes the comment about the other, you know, he talks about sticks and stones and how the controversy of that, and that is now like one of the highest watched specials on Netflix, and so it's like. Even if you, you know, because I would argue like for us too, it's like, I, 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 I'm not like a giant, I'm okay. I could, I am one way or the other on Dave Chappelle. I don't love him, nor do I hate him. You know, he's a comedian who I've seen. He's not one of my favorite comedians, you know, but I've seen some clips from the Chappelle show. I see his popularity, but every time I was online, I saw a different article about that special from a different news outlet. And I'm like, my, like so many people are covering this. What the fuck is going on? And so then you start to read it and you're like, oh, wow. Did he really say these things or like what's happening? And so now I got to see this thing. You know, I got to watch this thing to see what's going on, you know? And I think that impulse is like Netflix. They're not going to openly admit that, but they're going to be like controversy is good because it's going to bring people to the platform. Even if they come from a negative point of view, they're still going to show up to kind of see it, to feel like what's happening. What's he saying? Like, you know, th- you know what I mean? You know, oh, getting no, that. Totally, totally. And actually, you know, there's, um, uh, uh, in one of the, one of the, G- the GQ articles, it's titled Dave Chappelle's trans comments in the closer are causing ripple effects through Netflix. So they're reporting, Oh, I'm sorry, not this one. Um, Oh, do I have both of them open? Oh, that's strange. Um, no, it's uh, Dave Chappelle's Betrayal. That's the name of it. Uh, there, there are two separate articles. Uh, this one is by Saeed Jones. And, he, you know, they, they are talking about, you know, being black and trans um, and what the, um, you know, what all the publicity had a, had an effect on them. And they were talking, uh, God, where, where, did, where did they say it? Um, anyway, they, they say that, you know, they they started to watch it and uh, you know, not that long in, they couldn't bring themselves uh, to finish it. 
And, you know, because like you, if you don't like something, you don't have to watch something, you know, nobody is forcing you to watch it and, and they make those points, but yet you continue to, they continue to criticize Dave Chappelle and that special without having finished it all the way. And I think what's really interesting about that, Josh, is the point that you made is like, you know, all this controversy is going to drive people to go and watch this thing. And to me, it seems like a lot of the people who are writing about it haven't watched it they've just been hearing about it and because they're on the right side of history it seems like um is that they're they're you know sort of refusing to watch it they're just reporting on what they've heard in fact um uh this uh, kotaku article um titled netflix's boss doubles down on dave chappelle's transphobia in an embarrassing email basically they're reporting on this um email that was um shared for uh through the company um uh, by netflix uh co-ceo T- uh, ted sarandos basically sharing this email that like, Hey, you know, like we are standing by Chappelle and, and our vision for the company. Um, you know, but they talk about Dave's comments. They link to his comments, but if you click on the link, it takes you to another article, um, talking about his comments. And then when you click on their link about his comments, they take you to, um, the site reporting on what glad said about his comments. And then they don't link anything of what he actually said. So I'm skeptical that they actually watched it. And so you and I, since we've seen it, um, you know, because of everything surrounding it, you know, we go and watch it again. I'm, now, granted, I, I understand that people are going to take what he says out of context, or they're just going to hear exactly what he says uh, and not like it. Um, you know, but aside from the from the aside from the comments about gender specifically, it seems like most of the people are getting up in arms about him identifying as a turf, you know, trans exclusionary uh, radical feminist, um, mm-hmm. and siding with J.K. Rowling and and whatnot. And so, again, it, it, I I don't actually see what the trouble is. And it, and it, again, it seems like people are just reporting on it without having uh, watched it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that 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 also seemed weird because he follows it up by, you know, trying to say that, like, when he talks about Caitlyn Jenner winning woman of the year Mm -hmm. and how, like, she's Mm -hmm. been a woman for one year and how all these other women would be like if he says something like if if Eminem won a BET award or something like that was just trying to joke. (laughs) And again, and he mentions this in the special, like, you I think he's. You know, obviously, this entire special, he's trying to to evoke a response. Now, I would like to argue with you. You said something earlier that I eventually want to get to that's been in my brain because you said the purpose of jokes is to, um, you know, make us uncomfortable, which I don't agree with. Um, I think maybe the 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 purpose of some jokes, uh, you know, maybe evoke a response might be even better. But like, that's sort of what I had like getting at. Yeah, I figured, but it was the way that you said it. You had almost kind of put this caveat of. A joke is defined by anything that kind of, you know, that's supposed to make us uncomfortable. And, you know, like, and I don't necessarily believe that every joke is supposed to make us uncomfortable, but mostly, most of the jokes, and that's kind of the culture too. Like you look at dirty jokes or, you know, you look at these other style of jokes or, you know, I remember cause you know, I guess we're millennials. I do dead baby jokes were like all of the rage when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was like this, this, the birth of anti-humor. You know, where you are, you know, this is actually, okay, I'll tell you my favorite, my uh, favorite anti-humor joke. And, uh, well, there's actually, there's actually two of them, but you, you say, why did the monkey fall out of the tree? Why did the monkey fall out of the tree? I don't know. Because he was dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why did the second monkey fall out of the tree? (laughs) I don't know. He was stapled to the first monkey. Oh, (laughs) And that's the, those are, those are just like deadpan, like reverse, they're called like reverse humor jokes where it's like, 
you you know, you try you're not like intentionally trying to be funny you're just trying to be deadpan and there's almost like a hilarity in that because again like you said you're evoking a response and sometimes if there's like awkwards or, or unclearness in the response we tend to laugh um so Let, completely uh, well hold on okay well so, so is, is it something like okay you know you've, you've heard the how many things does it take to screw in a light bulb you know the classic mm-hmm. you know okay uh i this is what we're doing right now. Um, no, okay. So uh, mine were tasteful. Okay, mine were freaking tasteful. No just, no, just just wait. Just let me get your response. Um, how many dead prostitutes does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? I don't know. It's still dark in the basement. <laughs> I mean, I've heard this one, so it's hard because, uh, I know, like, I know, I, I know yeah. of that joke, know, so like, yeah. I can't give you like a real visceral response i mean you know but but that's like the shaking of the head is good enough for me the shaking of the head yeah but i I just think look there there's there's certain comedians and we okay go ahead well let me okay let me so i know i know what you're getting at and i think you know yeah we ask okay we pontificated the question what is the purpose of comedy i think eliciting a response is is the most basic uh, thing that you can do but okay Ask yourself. Yeah, I mean, you you study shakespeare so you know a lot of you know there's he's got comedies and he's got tragedies right Comedy isn't as old as tragedy, right? Tragedy's been around for a long time. You know, the ancient Greeks were tragedy. We think about Homer, right? Writing tragedies. Um, comedy, to me, it didn't seem like it. It. I mean, I don't know the the history uh, of it. I'm not a scholar of of comedy of the comics. Um, but you know, it seems to arrive in, arrive in the Middle Ages. You know, especially like towards the tail end. You know, getting closer to the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, right? Where, you know, medieval comedians you know, satirists, right? Uh, we're, we're writing to parody and to make fun of the upper echelons of society, whether it be the king, you know, like we think about court gestures, you know, it is to, it is to poke fun um, at our institutions and our societal structures is to make fun of the aristocracy, that sort of thing. It's always meant to be this sort of you know, almost punching, punching up or punching across. It's never really been about a punching down. It's meant to, you know, show like, look how silly and ridiculous this is. And so when I think about, you know, if, if I'm right at all in that, think about the, um, the function of comedy, it is to, it is to poke fun at things. It's to like, Hey, like that seems silly, right? You know, like maybe we should, you know, like laugh about a little bit. So, well, cause I was going to, the only thing I was going to say there is like, and I God, it's like, I can't, it's been so long now, but I took Greek theater in college and it's, mm-hmm. it's like, Okay, so what you learn is that yes, there are a lot of you know Greek tragedy. We all know that, but there was anytime they had play festivals, there was actually comedy shows that they mm-hmm. would do, kind of in between to lighten up the mood. And the the sad truth is these satire plays, but the sad truth is is that none of them really survived. Mm. Um, we don't have we have evidence that they were performed. We don't really have, but there was one that I remember that did survive. And it's like Lestrada La, La or something. I can't remember. It's like La, La Siestra or Lestrada or uh, whoever whoever knows this. You could reach out to us and, and tell me how to say it. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I don't remember. But I do. I remember that the context of the play is it's like so. There is these even they built these big phallic penises, and the the, the point was is that there is a bloody war going on, and women decided that they were done having sex with their husbands until this shit was figured out 
And it was supposed to be this comedic play about everybody going crazy and mad because nobody's sleeping with each other and they're supposed to be walking around with huge phallic penises and it made the whole crowd laugh and and then it, we move on to the next thing. But it's like I'll I'll put I'll send it to you and put it in the show notes sure. so we can actually have yeah, yeah. the descriptive play. But good. that is if I can remember correctly, that's the plot of the of the play, and that's really one of the only comedies that has survived hmm. that we know of that we have from from that time period. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I but mean, they did have comedies. Is what I, essentially what I'm saying. Oh, but for sure. You're probably yeah. right, and in, in more of understanding the ethos of how we understand comedy, I would say that the the Renaissance. Yeah the the Rene the Renaissance. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much more we have to add about the Dave Chappelle thing. I just think that in the context of 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 transphobia, right. Literally throughout the special, you know, he is signaling at least that he, you know, has trans friends. He knows trans people. He's very, he's very friendly with. He talks about the comedian Daphne. I don't remember uh, her last name, but she ended up killing herself because she went to uh, Dave's defense on Twitter uh, for his supposed transphobic uh, remarks, and because she was sent so much hate, um, hate mail, um, then she ended up committing suicide which is interesting you know, to be fair you know, though because, like, dave chappelle does dave chappelle does make the comment in that special that he is not 100 percent certain as to why she did it he does say that that definitely didn't help but he doesn't like he doesn't necessarily sure. say that for that sure. was the direct cause i mean i think it's important to brought out but it definitely didn't help and as he states you know and i i will say this even though he, he makes a joke and then clarifies that like she would have loved that joke um you know because he he kind of like counterbacks himself where he like Talk, you can see when he admits that she killed herself, he gets like teary eyed. There's like a moment where you can tell that he's feeling something. And then, of course, he like makes a joke by saying that, like, that's the manliest way to go out or something like that. And then he tries to specify that because the, <laughs> right. the crowd like did not respond well to, to that joke. And then he follows it up by like, I only tell that joke because she would have loved that joke. Right. Right. For sure. You know, and it's just like. But it, I don't know. It kind of undercut himself, and it, it's it's just it's just interesting. Well, and that's I think maybe that's the that's the crux of the whole special, right? Is like there was constantly like him talking about like, hey, I've said these things, they've upset people. See, I can still be funny. Oh, that doesn't feel very good to say, does it? Here, let me walk that back a little bit, but not really. It's just very. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't come across as comedy. And you right. know, now granted, I'm not the biggest fan of of like. You know, I don't I don't watch sitcoms. You know, I don't I don't watch stand up very often. You know, we talked about the Bo Burnham special um, a little bit ago as a bonus episode on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't I mean, it's comedy, right? But it, it's labeled as comedy, but it's not in essence. It's not. I don't know. It, I mean, it could go back to that, like very nature of like is comedy satire and like, again, a, a commentary on, on our society. So I don't know. Um, you know, there are funny parts to it, but there are sad parts to it as well, you know, but it's a performance, um, you know, so, so I don't know. I mean, like, I think what Dave Chappelle is doing is I, I think a kind of comedy, but I just don't see the purpose of, of the, um, of the soapbox, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny is, um, you know, comics like him, you know, they, they sort of get laughs from making these like really, I mean, I don't want to say heinous comments, but like they they go after 
groups of, you know, they go after certain subjects, right. To get a laugh, you know, then recently I watched this, uh, Netflix special uh, from Norm Macdonald, um, from like 2017 or something. I can't remember uh, the name of it, but he just has jokes. Like just every guy, like street jokes, you know, they're like, huh, you know, funny, but like, it, it's not like you're laughing out loud or, or he's targeting somebody. It's just like, it's a sort of comedy, like how you would expect it. Um, and it's, it's almost refreshing in a way because it feels like comedy now is either like you have to parrot what everybody is saying, you know, you, t- you know, and like, maybe they're not very funny. You're the Amy Schumer types, or you're this, you know, this co- comedian's comedian who has to like talk about how terrible all the woke shit is. It's like, Jesus Christ, like, do we have to keep hearing about this? I don't know. Like, why can't we just do? I don't know. I, I, I guess you're right. It does. It does kind of feel like you know. For him too. I, I was just going to make a comment because we talked about this instead of comedy. Like comics, like you know, Anthony Jezernick, for example, mm-hmm. his entire shtick is about like making you feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable yeah. humor. Yeah. And I don't think that Dave Chappelle has necessarily done that his entire career. And so this special felt like that's what he was trying to do. And like, I guess you could say that he was trying like something that was different, but you're right. And I, the only last thing I'll say is that like on this topic before we can switch to the uh, Dostoevsky story is that I just am worried. Like you said, with the soapbox that like comedians that used to craft a joke and, and try to tell a story is one thing, but to get up there and just to, kind of bitch about the negativity that you've been receiving and then proceed to like make statements or clear as what, how you feel the world is, is like, that's great. If you wanted to like go on a platform that was meant for that. But like, if you're standing up there trying to do comedy, I worry that if you're going to start making declarations when you're doing comedy, then you're going to like blur the lines. Because as we talked about with state of comedy, there was other specials where they were writing about what the comic was said. And it was clear that the comic had crafted a joke, you know, and not really necessarily, it wasn't their belief or opinion. It was just like in a joke that they thought might've been funny. And so we, you know, I remember you and I specifically saying, well, this person obviously thinks that whatever was said was truthful. And then now we're getting to this point where he's trying to make jokes, but he's also trying to be truthful. And like, so then that gives full reign to criticize then. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I just don't know if that style is going to help or hinder comedy. And I have a feeling that like, especially in this day and age, it's, it's, it's probably more prone to hinder than it is to help. Yeah, and this this will probably be the last thing I say on this, but I, I definitely feel like we are at an impasse in how to critique comedy, right? I mean, you know, you can you can go to you can go watch somebody's stand up and you can laugh or you don't laugh, right? Um, and you know that's you know that's your your metric. It's like okay, did I did I have fun or did I not? You know, but with all these you know comedy specials that are being put online. You know, and they're so you know they're surrounded by these you know sort of people you know of, of status like Dave Chappelle. You know, it's not just about the comedy; it's about the person. Um, and so, how do we how do we look at the comedy versus how do we look at the comic? Um, yeah, I feel like we're in a very uh, strange space there. But um, yeah, so w- why don't we go ahead and take a break? Yeah, and um, when we come back, we will talk about uh, Dostoevsky's short story. Uh, called Polsunkov. Sounds like a plan. All right, guys, we'll see All you right. after the break. See ya. All right, everybody. Welcome back from the break. Welcome Thanks back. for joining us 
on the MBS podcast. Um, before we get into our um, uh, second topic today, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, if you enjoyed these conversations or if you want to reach out to us, please feel free, uh, you know, to email us at NBS, uh, what is it, mbspodcast at gmail.com or no, 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 it's necessary BS podcast. <laughs> See, I don't see, even know. Maybe I, what I, you should have done is we should have like looked at that at the break and that's how that shows like <laughs> right. how shitty we are about our own, yeah, you know, about I our know. own stuff. But I, I will say it's, it's www.necessarybspod.com. Um, what's great about the website is that it literally has hyperlinks to all of the major platforms of where you can find us. Um, we have a subscriber button that, you know, that you can subscribe to the website and, uh, we have links to our Patreon, um, that you can go there as well and, and become a patron because Ian and I are now doing these kind of impromptu kind of bullshit Boulevard style free conversations that we're now putting on for our patrons. And, and right now it's just our two amazing are just our two amazing patrons who are hanging in there with us. And, you know, like anything else, everybody's got to start somewhere. So we're, we're hoping to grow that. And so again, that is www.necessarybspod.com. Go take a peek. You know, our, I think a link to our email is also on that page as well. So that's how you're going to find everything. Necessary should be necessary BS podcast at gmail.com. You know, f- please feel free to reach out to us, email us, talk to us, reach out to us on Twitter uh, at NBS podcast one, the number one, because the word of the number one bullshitters. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Josh mentioned our, our Patreon. Um, we just uh, released a BS Boulevard, I think number eight. Um, we're sort of changing things up a little bit. Um, by the time this goes live, you'll see these changes on Patreon. Um, but we're going to be recording twice a month, a bullshit Boulevard for everybody, which is just a, just a conversation. You know, there's no topic. I just, you know, I just start ranting off bullshit and Josh tells me that I'm an asshole. Um, <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it's it. It's very fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, uh, you know, now that we got all that out of the way, um, I think we can get on to our, um, second topic here. And so it's this short story, you know, it's sort of, funny i was looking for something for us to talk about you know because like we already sort of decided we're going to talk about the Chappelle thing and um i wanted to find something that was comparable uh you know to be digested within you know within a day you know because i know you know both of josh and i's schedules are changing changing as i mentioned at the top of the episode josh is going to school so he's very busy he's a very busy man and so i wanted to find something uh that was easy to read and Something that we could do that was quick and fun. Oh, easy and to it read. Was a short story. That was your intention. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we'll get into Josh's impressions here in a second. But, um, but no, it's it's funny. I, you know, we were. I knew we were going to be talking about the, you know, the comedy thing and Dave Chappelle, and so I, what basically what I did, I, I wanted to read something Dostoevsky because I don't know if Josh has ever read anything of it, and I just have been needing an excuse to read more Dostoevsky. And so I was like, what is the shortest short story that I have of his? And it was this one. It was like 12. I can't remember how long it is in my actual copy, but on online, it's like 12 pages. I, um, and it was, um, it's a short story titled uh, Polzikov uh, that was originally published in 1848. And the translation that we're using from 1918 is by Constance Garnett. Uh, she was one of the first um, English translators of a lot of the Russian uh, novelists uh, from, from way back when in the early 20th century. Um, the copy that we're using, I pulled from Project Gutenberg. So the, uh, you know, some of the formatting I had to adjust, and 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 frankly, Garnet's translation is a little, 
it's it's not like the go-to translation that academics go to. So like, keep in mind if you're reading this, uh, I, I do encourage you to, to read along uh, before listening to the episode. Um, so find a better translation. Otherwise go with the link that we have. So, um, you know, it's funny too, because coincidentally it's, it's, it's about April fool's day um, in talking about comedy. Do you want to give so, like a brief for those, for the, you know, cause let's be fair. Yeah. You know, we're going to yeah. have listeners that are not going to read this thing. So like, let's go ahead. That's true. Yeah. Just, That's just, true. you know, I know you want to ask your thoughts and we're going to get talking about this, but before that, just go ahead and give like a, just a brief overview of what's happening. Yeah, give a brief, brief summary. Basically it's this guy who, um, is at some house or some party, um, named Polzenkov. His actual name is, uh, um, Osip, uh, Mihilich. And, uh, I'm sorry, sorry about the Russian. Um, and you know, he basically talks about this time from six years prior, uh, where it was on April fool's day where he tried to pull some prank on his suitor's father, basically, who was, mm-hmm. he was also like in the service of either military, or some, some type of official, he, you know, wants to do this April Fool's prank. He's like, oh, it's funny, right? Like, I'm going to, I want to marry your daughter. Like, this would be, it'll be a great, like, opener. Uh, and it totally goes wrong. And, you know, basically the father, like, does one in on him and pulls a similar April Fool's joke. Um, and he ends up not marrying the the daughter. So, um, yeah, so that that's a very, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more, but that's a very, like, right. brief I know, because there's, like, the, there's something out to do with, like, him being a benefactor, and it was, like, getting money but not right. getting money, and it was, like, I don't know, it's kind of like the cry wolf. I don't, it was almost like the, like, like the invent, I, I when I read the story, I was, like, it almost felt like this story just is the creation of April Fool's Day. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Fools, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Josh, let me let me get your impression on this. I don't know if have, first of all, have you read any other Dostoevsky at all? No. Or any Russians? No. no. Well, we talked about this a little bit off mic, but I've definitely read Chekhov, but those are just his his plots. Sure. Um and yeah, that's why sure, like everybody yeah. familiar with Chekhov's gun. That's like the um I think mm. it's Seagulls, I think is the name of the play, or it has to do with Seagulls. I don't know. I'm really bad. Like I'm like my recall memory is awful, but it's like, um, are you looking it up? Yeah, oh, I am. Hopefully if up, I'm yeah. right, is it seagulls? Oh, it's, uh, it just popped up. Hold on. We're doing this real time. Okay. Well, while you're looking Chekhov's- that up, I'll explain my point. So for those, for those that are, are non-theater people, Chekhov's gun is essentially this kind of rule of thumb where the gun is introduced in act one and it's fired in act. Oh, three. right. And that yeah. is something that, like, uh, as writers, you know, it's very, it's a very famous thing that they keep up. Where if you introduce something in Act One, you better hope, you know, for a good story that it's used by the last act. You know, it's kind <laughs> of the the thing there. So, but yeah, that's that's probably the extent of of my Russian literature, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But you haven't read any Dostoevsky and. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just reading it, I mean, what did it come across as, as, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, I said that it was an easy read, but you seem to require I had to read it twice. Bit. I'll be honest. I was getting lost. You know, like there were certain points where I'm yeah. like, I'm not sure how we got to A to B, you know, cause it starts with kind of, <laughs> well, cause it kind of starts with almost yeah. an outside perspective of this, this man, like, um, yeah. of, of the yeah. story and, and talking about how he's got a kind heart, but people laugh at him. Yeah. And it almost to me, it like, and maybe this is because we knew that we were going to talk about the Chappelle special. And so like I had comedy in my brain. So it was almost like not just the birthday of a false, but it's almost like the birth of a comedian. Like the, mm-hmm. I, I kind of saw this man who 
it states in the beginning, like, oh, he made it. He, it may have been sad he's getting laughed at, but then like there's like a value that is gained from gaining everybody's attention. And the same person who he's talks about was being un, uh, laughed at, like laughed at, you know, not being laughed with or something like that. How it was almost sad, mm-hmm. but then it kind of reverts back to him being in this pub talking about this experience, and he basically commands the attention of the whole room. And he starts cracking jokes and no disrespect to the Russians, but their jokes are garbage. And (laughs) uh, I don't know. Some of the things that were said in the the thing, I was like, okay, that wasn't that funny, but uh, everybody appears to be roaring with laughter. And so, you know, and then, you know, he starts saying, everybody's like, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? And so like, it's almost like this, this homage to storytelling and almost how comedy has been, like zipped into this person's persona. And yes, it was about April fools and everything else, but it, it, it almost to me, it's a short story about like what it, about this guy inventing essentially the profession of stand up comedy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It definitely comes across that way. Yeah. I mean, personally I've read um, a few things of Dostoevsky's I've read notes from underground and, and uh, crime and punishment. Um, and then the short story, that was pretty much the extent of, of stuff that I've read of, of his, I do have some of his other books on a, on a reading list I'm working through right now. Right now I'm actually reading, um, Tolstoy's war and peace, which is a fucking God damn. It's so big. It's yeah. So well, uh, yeah, I'm reading um, the Cambridge, uh, but, uh, right now I'm reading the Cambridge version of written by the author white book about Freud's, uh, Freud's life biography. So, Oh really? Yeah. That's yeah. That's gotta be dry um <laughs> yeah. but anyway but yeah so i mean yeah so we, we can we can get into it a little bit i i i did find this i i found it funny i mean i've read enough russian now where it's not just i don't i don't read russian but i've read enough of the russians where it's like i can start to pick up on the comedy a little bit like it like when i started reading nietzsche it took me a while to pick up on like the german sort of like style of comedy and like certain quips and stuff like that but now reading the russians i've had to like do something similar to, to get into that um yeah, there's, there's, first of all, it starts off with this like incredibly long and dense paragraph. Um, and like, there's a fir- few of the first couple sentences that I just thought that were an interesting way to, to introduce this character of Ponskov. Um, I'll just read here. It says, I began to scrutinize the man closely. Even in his exterior, there was something so peculiar that it compelled one, however far away one's thoughts might be, to fix one's eyes upon him and go off into the most irresist- the irrepressible roar of laughter. That, it, that is what happened to me. I must observe that the little man's eyes were so mobile, or perhaps he was so sensitive to the magnetism of every eye fixed upon him, that he almost by instinct guessed what he, that he was being observed, turned at once to the observer and anxiously analyzed his expression. His continual mobility, his turning and twisting, made him look strikingly like a dancing doll. It was strange. He seemed afraid of jeers in spite of the fact that he was almost getting his living by being a buffoon for all the world and exposed himself to every uh, buffet in a, nor- in a moral sense and even in a physical one, judging from the company he was in. Voluntary buffoons are not even to be pitied. So I just thought it was an interesting way to to introduce this also, character. Also, you cold read like garbage too. Like, my lord. Uh, we got to give you some well, like, you acting know, stuff. I'm not a, I'm not a, a flair to a script reader i'm not a script reader but <laughs> but no i mean this um, is actually i'm glad the only thing i'll say is like this is why i thought that it was kind of like the birth of a comedian because you know mm-hmm. that line where you know he says he, he almost you know getting his living by being a buffoon for all of the world 
Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. kind of like, even this person was, he's not calling him a comedian. He's not, you know, who, I don't even know if the, if the word comedian was even around in 1848, but at the time, like, that's, I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah, sure. But at, at that time, it's like, that's what I was like, oh my gosh. So here's somebody who is like slowly not realizing that, you know, they're like comedy is their calling almost, or like they can, and, and we've had like gestures and things like that. And I know that, you know, any sort of royalty and one would argue that that's kind of like, you know, comedy started in the, not started, but like, you know, the most pertinent form of it for the longest time in a monarch sense, mm -hmm. with, with most civilized monarchs says were court gestures, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, it, it, you know, like just in the, just in the introduction of, of this character, you know, he, he seems like, you know, on one hand, like it's it's like he hasn't been doing this for very long, you know, because he's a little bit taken aback, like by all the laughter and people are, you know, the way that people are reacting to him. But, you know, but then it sort of comes across, he's like, he's getting money for doing it, you know, he's where he, well, he's, he's borrowing money from people, you know, like he's sort of panhandling a little bit. It's mm -hmm. like, see, that was funny. You guys here, I'll put out a hat, you know, um, it's just very interesting. He's almost like a beggar. Um, you know, trying to tell this story, uh, or is just not very well off. And of course, you know, in Russia and St. Petersburg in the 1800s, like, um, you know, life wasn't very great. <laughs> sure. But it kind of reminded me of like my buddy's, I won't tell the joke, but my buddy Zach said that he was, uh, he was kind of standing outside in Portland once. And, you know, there, there is quite a bit of homeless population in that area. And yeah. he was saying that like, Every time you kind of sometimes run interacts with them, you know, sometimes they say nothing. Sometimes they ask him if you have anything to eat or if they ask him if he has any money. Yada, yada, who's he? But he said that he was caught off guard because he was smoking a cigarette outside of the bar. He said this homeless man approached him and he thought he was going to ask him for money or something. And all the guy says was smoke for a joke. <laughs> and so Zach said, sure. And this guy told him, his, told him a joke and Zach laughed and gave him the cigarette. It was like a transaction. You know, it was, yeah. it was a joke for a smoke. And so like looking at this, I almost, you know, kind of saw that where in this point in time, you know, maybe like, like you said, I do agree that it comes off that he's a novice, but it's almost like, you know, he's kind of learning at this point where he's like, Hey, like if, you know, even if it saddens or whatever, if you're finding humor in this, maybe the least you can do is, you know, throw me some money. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, it's, I don't know. It's unclear like where exactly he's at. He's at like, um like some type of party or something where he says he stands up on a chair, you know, mm -hmm. of course everybody's going to turn around. I kind of like, pictured a tavern, to him, you know, I kind of picture that they're mm. like, he's out drinking at a tavern and gets up on the chair, which like, you know, it's something that knows would do with any, they even say that like that. Right. He's mentioned something about that. That action was that commanded the attention of the room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, of course, like he keeps it like enticing people, you know, and, but other people keep interrupting to him. They're like, you know, tell it, tell it, listen. Oh, you know, like very, you know, it's a comic story. Very good. Splendid. Get on with it. You know, um, it's very, it's very informal. It's, you know, definitely seems like a big gathering of people. Uh, there's like even one part where it's just like a, a fair haired young man with mustaches pronounced in a husky voice, dropping his hand into his coat pocket and through by chance pulling out a purse instead of his handkerchief, like just very strange, like, you know, I mean, again, it's Russian. So like all the motivations are very strange, you know, like, like 19th century crap, um, you know, but like getting into the story, you know, he, a little bit, you know, he says here. So for the first chapter, gentlemen, it was just six years ago in spring, the 31st of March. Note that date, gentlemen, on the eve oh, of the, the 1st of April, cried a young man with ringlets. So it is about, it is about um, April Fool's. And what's interesting about this story is that it seems to 
it's like this meandering to a punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of what I got to it. Like, you know, you were saying, you know, you were having trouble finding it funny. And even my in my first read, I've read it twice uh, now as well. Even in my first read, I was like, you know, there's some funny things that come out here and there. But it was just like, huh, okay. You know, and it wasn't until the end um, where, you know, it's revealed to be this big April Fool's thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, big, big is it's, it's putting it, it's exaggerating, but um, you know, it's not until the end that you realize it's an April Fool's thing. They're like, oh, oh, okay. You know, like, and it's, it's sort of funny because when he says like, Hey, pay attention to the date, you kind of expect to be like, okay, it's about April Fool's, you know, but you don't, you don't expect it to be as simple as it is. Um uh, there, yeah, and that says here, one... I looked this up real quick. This is from history.com. Uh-huh. Some, some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to 1582 when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar as called for oh. by the Council of the Trent in 1563. And the Julian calendar, um, as in the Hindu calendar, the new year began with the spring equinox around April 1st. So there dates back to, to 1582. That makes sense. Yeah, there's even um, uh, a passage down here where it talks about Saint Mary of Egypt's Day, um, and I think it's I think that's on either March 31st or April 1st. And in the Julian calendar, it was yeah in the Julian calendar that holiday or that celebration day is on the first of April, but in the Gregorian calendar, it's like later on in April. So I'm wondering, yeah, if that has something to do with it as well. Yeah, and I feel like here when I read it too, like. I didn't feel like his speech was necessarily like super funny, but you could tell that he had the, he was playing the audience. You know, he had them on the mm-hmm. edge of their seats and there's like moments where they're like, well, what happened next? What happened next? You know? And there was even, I think there was even a moment that it says like, he like paused engaged the room and took a few minutes yeah. before he continued to speak. So that's why I was like, a lot of it to me kind of felt like he was doing like a stand up performance. Yeah, for sure. I think I even see that passage. He says, but here he stopped, still looking around at everyone with a strange expression of face. Perhaps, who knows? At that moment, the thought came to his mind that he was more honest than many of that honorable company. Anyway, the serious expression on his face did not pass away till the general merriment was quite over. So, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he, he seems to be taking it in a little bit. I think even at another point, like he stops to just like laugh at how ridiculous and like how fucked up his like little prank was. And people are like, come on, man, like, mm-hmm. you know, like we're excited, you know, get it over with. Um, yeah, there it's, it's very interesting. You know, there are a lot of. You know, I don't know if you picked up on this um, either, but there are lots of little plays to um, penitence and and faith and God and everything like that. And, you know, so. Yeah, I guess, you know, for some further background here, this character, Osip uh, Mihalich, you know, he is, there's like another character who has died. I can't remember his name. There are so many characters like with hard Russian names to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I was like. Uh, I'll <laughs> let you pronounce these Russian names. So I'm, I'm right, right. Yeah, but, you know, basically um, this, this uh, the, you know, he wants to marry this woman, uh, Maria. Um, is that her name? God, I don't even know. Um. Yeah, I'm looking here. Who's the name? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm glad. Uh, so, but you know, I'm watch him read so this. Prepared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, it's just like you know, we did, we did, we did this at the last minute. But, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so he wants to marry this guy's daughter. Um, and the father is named Fedosi Nikolaevich. Um, and 
basically he's like, Hey, like, I know this one guy died, but like, can I marry your daughter? Um, and he, like, he has to be welcomed into their sort of family circle. And, you know, the father is very, you know, he's very skeptical of him, but it's like, okay, you're like, you're kind of nice. And, you know, basically I'll, I'll get into the, um, uh, to the crux of it. You know, he is sort of stationed to be work, working under this father, you know? And so that's why he has an in with like with the daughter. Maria. And M-A-R-I-A, yeah, Maria, yeah, that's Maria. it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, he has an in with the daughter and he's like, okay, well I want to marry her. Like this other guy that was going to probably marry her, like he died. So what if I, you know, make this funny joke of, you know, proposal by doing this, uh, you know, this prank. So he like writes up this fake document that basically says that he's been, he requested to be transferred to some other station or to be discharged or something like that. And that he actually doesn't want to, um, to marry the daughter. And he hands it to the father and he's like, what, what the hell is this? You know, I thought we were going to have this whole thing. He's like, ah, just, just joking. You know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't seem to, <laughs> it doesn't seem to go, um, like very well. And, uh, let's see, I'm trying to look for the actual quote. Um, I don't remember where the actual, uh, where the actual quote is. Um, but it's, I don't know. Like it's, it's sort of like, again, I don't, I don't get the, the, the Russian humor necessarily, but you know, if you're presented with this situation and you know, somebody brings you like this prank that you actually don't want to. And I mean, what's funny is that the father actually takes it seriously mm-hmm. and he ends up turning in this note. Um, so he actually does get discharged and like, that's, you know, the whole uh, prank going wrong. But I don't know, like, the way that I see this character is that like, he is so inexperienced. Oh, is it this part where he know, says, in life. As, as soon as he took my letter and opened it, I saw his whole countenance change. What's the meaning of this? He replied. And like a little fool, I said the first of April, many happy returns of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because, okay. So in, you know, so in linking back to, you know, this discussion a little bit earlier and to like get a response from somebody like this guy clearly doesn't know that like, you know, his father and the whole family is going to have this, you know, type of negative reaction. I love how he says there was an outcry and a hullabaloo. It's been a while since I've seen the word hullabaloo. And I wonder what that word is in <laughs> Russian, because I'm curious as to like, because this translator had to look at that Russian word and be like, mm, hullabaloo. That's definitely the English. <laughs> that's definitely the English translation there, right? For sure, you know. And it's like there's a point too where he's, um, God, there's there's this is so dense. Um, you know when he's talking about his father, and it's like he, this is this is what I thought was funny. Like this is so this is the type of guy that you're giving this, um. Uh, that you're giving this like pray to and you know in describing the father he says and when he begins to speak you're in for a regular epic of 12 cantos and all you can do is listen lick your lips and throw up your hands of delight and not a hapaworth of sense at least there's no making out the sense you stand puzzled like a fool he puts you in a fog he twists like an eel and wriggles away from you it's a special gift a real gift it's enough to frighten people even if there's no concern of theirs and so it's like this first of all the dad reminds it reminds me of myself a little bit you know just like a propensity to talk and talk and maybe be a little bit of an intimidating to people to younger folk but you know it's like what what 
what sign is there for you to like give this fake note uh, to this guy? I just thought it was like, who, who does he think he is? Mm-hmm. I just thought it was very funny. You know, he, he does this thing and uh, basically the, the, the father gets sick. Yeah. Um, I, it's not, a, it's not exactly clear what he has. Um, yeah, basically, you know, he like, uh, he like must have caught a cold or something like that. Uh, you know, some type of flu. I don't know. Like, it's, again, it's 19th century Russia, you know, so like <laughs> medicine isn't very good and it's cold as fuck there. Um, you know, but he, you know, but he gets sick. And so um, they, they, they do sort of agree to start this wedding, you know, like, uh, you know, the character, you know, he's buying the rings, he's getting everything uh, ready and willing to do, um, you know, like they spend weeks getting everything ready. And, but when the father gets ill and this is why, you know, it being Russian and being dense, it's sort of hard. I still, after a second reading, I still don't exactly understand, like, because the father, you know, sort of like pushes back a little bit, you know, in this prank and, you know, because he's sick, he's like, Hey, I need you to do all this stuff for me. I, you know, like I, you know, we, I owe some people some money, but I also lent some people some money. So if you could go and like, just get all that money back for me, it'd be really great. It's only 7,000 rubles. Um, however much that is, you know, in real American dollars, um, you know, and so he's like, oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you, you know, daddy in law, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it all for you. And so he finds some money. You know, the next day he is like, sorry, I had to, you know, I'm 50 bucks. I'm 50 rubles short. And it's like, oh, it's, it's no problem. You know, like, we'll take care of it. Thanks for bringing me all that money. Um, he's like, OK, cool. I'll, I'll pay off for, you know, what I need. And then. um some inspector, like some officer comes to town. I'm not clear, uh, you know, exactly um, his position, but a lot of people, you know, who were like middle, upper middle class, you know, often in the roles of government in 19th century Russia. And so they're always taking, you know, like official positions, you know, in government. And this inspector comes to town who apparently like is in charge of this character's, um, you know, official status comes and he discharges him. He has a letter to give him to discharge. Like, and this character is like, what the hell? I, that was just a joke. I didn't mean to actually like be discharged. I wanted to marry this woman. And well, it's, you find out that the father, uh, put in the, the fake note that he wrote and put it into requested for him to be discharged. And so he goes to the father and it's like, Hey, what the hell is going on? It's like, Oh yeah, no, like, I have no intention in letting you marry my daughter like after that prank. And I made you get all that money for me. So, because we're buying a house tomorrow and I don't want to see your face again. <laughs> for me, it's, it's like, oh, that's like the biggest fuck you, you know, like that you could possibly say, you know, it was like, I don't know. Would you argue and, it? It's a cautionary tale. It's like, you know, cause I suppose so. Cause it's more yeah. of like, you know, cause I, I kind of read that differently. And then maybe this is interpretation in like the dry Russian language. Cause it read to me, like he did this April fool's joke and he gave him the letter and he's like, what is this? He's like, it's an April fool's joke, but I don't think the father actually looked at it. And then it was like, right. because then <laughs> yeah. it talks about how the wedding was on. He's like, I'm court shipping. I'm doing this and that. And he goes, then I noticed irregularities, like things were not lining up and yada, yada. Right. And like you said, the, the dad was kind of on the deathbed or whatnot. And, because he specifically says my benefactor, so it almost looked like that you know this this guy right, he had been yeah. he had been receiving money, and then he states that like oh I need some of that money back because at some point he goes oh shit I'll give you your money back I'm sorry I've only spent so I thought he said I only spent fifty rubies of it like that's all I've like that's all I've only spent of that money that you lent me, 
uh, here's a back and then like everything's all fine and then like then it comes to later where because he even says i forgot to take the note back is what he says and mm-hmm. so like i think mm-hmm. what happened yeah. was is that that joke was not i i read it as the 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 father that he was trying to impress to get his daughter's hand didn't even read really that letter and was just like what is this like why are you giving this to me it's like oh it's a joke and then like i feel like he thought like oh that's perfect but then enough time goes by and then he finds the letter again and then he actually goes through with it and he's just like oh shit like no that that's not that letter was not remember that was that was the joke like <laughs> yeah <laughs> right he even says you know i, I down here I, well, I have highlighted it says but that was a little joke for osi nikhailich right i didn't mean it i just gave you the letter for your fatherly like that's all and he you know of course your response is like that's all a queer joke sir yeah that's great, great well also you like never uh, you one, should never mess with documents <laughs> everybody knows that like right yeah it's just like it's, why you were sent to superior for sub for sub jokes you know like of course like you threaten him with that it's like now goodbye i am busy we have the inspector here the duties of the service before everything you can pick up your heels but we have to sit here at work but i'll get you a character oh another thing i've just bought a house from Matveyev. we are moving in in a day or two so i expect i shall not have the pleasure of seeing you at our new residence bon voyage i just thought that that last little word was funny but he's just like no dude i took the serious like I don't want to, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. Like you can't just make up documents like that. That's the other thing too, is, you know, people in the, you know, the father's stature, like they have to take things very seriously. It's all very bureaucratic. Like even in Imperial Russia um, before uh, the Russian revolution, like everything was very serious and very official. And, you know, all, you know, because it had to do with all these like Russian oligarchs, and like these families, everything had to like be secured and making sure everybody got their money, whether it be for war or for um, just the continuation of the of, of the Russian economy. And so it's just like you don't just joke with that sort of thing. But then, though, like the, the thing about it, though, is like you think it's a cautionary tale and then you get to the end of it when he says bon voyage. And, you know, at the end of it, it's like mm-hmm. I ran home and, and it's really funny, too, because I don't think he's mentioned his grandmother before, but he's like, we failed, granny. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like some sort of ploy with his grandma. And yeah, then, yeah, last I think he lives with his grandma. Right, but the thing is, is that like it talks about that there's a birge cage there, and in the you know, and there was a note with the three, you know, the three was April first, yes, you know, and nothing yeah. more. And so like, but then it's interesting. Like, I'm curious as what you think this means because, you know, what happens now? What happened then? Everybody in the, you know, in the in the bar, or wherever he is telling the story is like, well, then like, what did you do? Like, and then it's like. You know, somehow I couldn't bring myself to it, gentlemen. Like, I just, I couldn't go tell him. Because somebody's like, did you go and yeah. tell him how much of a scoundrel he was for that joke? And he's like, I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> it's like, I just couldn't do it. Sorry. And so yeah. it's like, but what does that mean? Couldn't do it as in like, is like this guy's trying to say, no, it's just a joke. Like, it is a new house. But like, of course, you can come and marry my daughter and whatnot. Like, you know? that's, that's the other thing. Like, it to me, it's like left up in the air. Sure. Yeah, because it says, yeah, right. Yeah, because the note, it just says April 1st. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, so it's like, does he really know? I I don't know. It's like, what is, that's the thing. That's the thing about the Russian humor that I still like am not getting is like, wait a second. Does the father want him to marry his daughter? Because it's like, it's been six years, right? Supposedly from this guy telling the story of what had happened on that, you know, specific April Fool's. Right. So it's like, did he just not have the courage? Like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't, I think I may have offended him. I don't know. I'm just not going to speak with him. <laughs> I'm just not going to do anything. That's just, uh, yeah. that's right. It's there. Like I can't face. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny. Um, 
I, I know there's lots of like other little, you know, minute details in the story. Um, there's a lot of uh, little instances about faith in God that I think are really interesting, especially like when you read Dostoevsky's later work, um, it's a lot more apparent, you know, like for like 30 years from now, when he writes brothers Kamarazov, like it's very much about the faith and, and coming to terms with, um, you know, Christianity and whatnot. Um, and so like, he has little hints of it here, especially, you know, especially with talking about being in God's world, but um, I don't know, Josh, like, I know this was just like a small little, small little project. Um, I don't know how you feel about doing things, you know, like this, you know, further on in the podcast, but I guess like, you know, since it is a relatively short piece and, and there's, I mean, not a whole lot for us to, to say about it. I mean, after reading it, you know, like, did you, did, you know, did you enjoy it? Like, was there anything about it that like, oh, I might go and read more Dostoevsky after this, you know, I might try to like pick up on that sort of thing again. Honestly, no. Most likely I will not. Read any Dostoevsky. I mean, not that I won't like <laughs> eventually like touch base because obviously yeah. I've heard of Dostoevsky. It's not like he's unknown to me, but like mm-hmm. did not really particularly enjoy the story. Like it was just... <laughs> Sure. Um, but, yeah. but that's yeah. totally fine. I, I just think that like, I, I just kind of got out of it of what he was trying to get across. And it just seemed like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's funny. It's, it's, I don't know. Here's this person who, you know, the invention of a comic, but there's, there's a tragedy to it because he decided to make this April fool's joke. Then a joke was done on him, but because the joke was done on him, maybe he felt bested and he just did nothing for six years. And so like, and like you said too, the, you know, the lot, a lot of different references about, it the the switches in and narrative and how it starts like you know it starts yeah. outside of him and being just de- him being described and then it just switches from like third person to first person um or not first person just it switches from talking about the the guy in the story to having the guy in the story now doing the talking and that kind right. of threw me yeah. off a little bit too um and it might be a translation thing or whatnot like i'm not definitely sure but you know it's also from the 1900s too like what well, the translation is but yeah, the, yeah, the 1800s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, yeah. It's definitely a stylistic choice that is um, do, that Dostoevsky employs. Um, I personally now granted like the, this story, I got it out of a collection of short stories and, and novellas that I have. Um, and it's not a, it's definitely not like the most popular short story or novella. Like he has many more popular works, um, but this is definitely like one of his earlier pieces that, you know, he came to develop over time. Um, this was actually before it's interesting Dostoevsky. He, um, uh, spent a lot of time, like after he published his first, uh, novel, poor folk, he spent a lot of time in Russian literary circles and hanging out with like these socialists a lot. And, um, you know, the Imperial Russian government, they're like, no, we're not having any of that. Like, we don't want you spreading your ideas. And so they sent him and his buddies to a Siberian prison and like, uh, did a mock trial, uh, a mock execution on him. So they would put him in front of a firing squad and like at the last second, they're like, Hey, you're free to go. Um, and so like after that, he started writing um, uh, things a lot more, you know, like people sort of called him like one of the first existentialist lit- um, uh, literary writers or first um, psychologists uh, because of his, uh, because of his works. And personally, I mean, this story in particular, I thought it was fine. Sure. You know, like I, I like Dostoevsky, so, you know, I enjoyed reading it, but I thought it was fine. Um, it's just that, like that know, deadpan Russian humor. I mean, like I, I told you when right. I, was, when I was working in New York, one of the, one of the managers in the office I was at, uh, that came and visited for like three weeks was Russian and, and his name is Semyon. Hmm. And he was 
Really nice guy. And the only like real joke that I remember him making I thought was hilarious was just because how seriously deadpan he was. And he was almost like, I don't know. What was funny is not the joke, but what's funny is that like we believe. Okay. So the, the preference I may have told on the podcast once before, but he, he comes to work in, in like a boot. He's got like crutches and a boot. And then, Oh, okay. I look at him I'm like, Samuel, like what happened? Like, are you okay? And he goes, Oh, I totally fine. I get the fighting bear. And my <laughs> eyes just like went real big. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, really? And, <laughs> and then he looked at me almost offended and he goes, no, idiot. I do it in badminton. <laughs> and then I just laughed. Like, I don't even know if he was like, funny. It, it just, it just, I do it in bad. So like the, the I, I don't know, maybe the fact that it was actually like a badminton thing that did it compared to like fighting a bear. Right. And maybe this is my fault because just his Russian accent was thick. And the moment that he said that, like, I fucking was like, maybe <laughs> like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like be rude and question that he probably wouldn't have fought a bear at some point in time. Right. It's like, Oh, okay. But yeah. To him, he was like, no, like I'm Russian. That was a funny Russian joke. And for me, I took it literal. And that was like, that's kind of a, yes. He's like, no, I didn't. And that's when I laughed. And so it's like, it's almost that weird thing where the joke itself didn't make me laugh, but his response to my response is, is, is what really caused the humor. So, yeah. Yeah. There was, um, uh, one, t- uh, my wife's, one of her old bosses, uh, was this Russian, uh, this young Russian woman. And, uh, I remember sort of being around them one time and I can't remember her name, you know, but something came up where they were talking about Mila Kunis, mm-hmm. right. The, the, you know, the actress who was famous for being on that 70s show and she's Russian, right. She immigrated from Russia when she came to America. She couldn't speak a lick of English when she was a young teenager. She had to learn it and then like get on the show. That was like her first main acting gig. Right. Well, they were talking about Mila Kunis sort of in that context and coming from Russia. Well, her, their Russian boss, she's like, mm, Mila Kunis, she's not real Russian. They're like, Oh, why do you say that? She's like, well, she's a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> just like okay like i guess all righty well guess, uh, i think at that point it's been about an hour and a half yeah. we should, should probably get out of here because of course you're gonna you're gonna finish it with with the shit like that so <laughs> well guys um right. i'm not gonna lie thank you for bearing with us i know that was kind of a little rougher than what we usually do as we're trying new things but you guys are in it with us it's experimental yeah exactly Ongoing exactly experimental and, conversation. Uh, and we're, maybe we're hoping that we always say reach out to us so maybe the goal here is is if we do something bad enough, then you'll finally be motivated to be like, hey, don't fucking do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, that's true. That's true. If this was a bit of a train wreck and you think that like they should never do that again, or if they, you think that we should further embarrass ourselves again, please reach out to us at necessarybspodcast at gmail.com and write in your thoughts or subscribe to the website. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll attempt to be uh, more fluid for the next time. As we said, like our schedules got a little bit crazy, so here we are. But we still, you know, we we love doing this, and and we do it because we enjoy it. And like uh, like mm-hmm. I've always told Ian too, it's like having one person is still an audience. It's still somebody that's outside of ourselves. So um, absolutely. You know, and even though we're not big by any means, we still have consistent downloads every week. And that means a lot. So, you know, I get the emails about all those. And so they may not be up in the thousands or whatnot, but at the same time, like for those of you that listen constantly, we really do appreciate it. And thank you for, for bearing with Ian. Cause I can't <laughs> just be alone in this. <laughs> You're not the only one, Josh. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. All right, guys.
Ian, do you have anything else? Bye. Ooh, bye. Uh, everything that guy just says, bullshit. Thank you.